Hello, I'm Levi Combs from Planet X Games. Welcome to the Crusader Podcast, a show about the Castles and Crusades role-playing game. Alia Lacta Este... Este... Alia... Alia? Alia Lacta Este? Lacta... Lacta Leia? Alia Lacta Este... Ah, man, I don't know. The die is cast. Here we are, Crusaders, for the 21st episode of the Crusader Podcast. We got an exciting episode tonight talking about the Crusaders Companion, a fan compilation of alternate rules, races, techniques, and things to put into your CNC game. So first, let's talk about what we've been doing gaming recently. Carl, would you like to start? Sure. Uh, so we've been playing a... Uh, well, oh my goodness. It's, I, I, I haven't talked about this on the show yet. Um, my birthday in 2020... Uh, for my birthday, we played an all day long Castles and Crusades game uh, with me, my wife, and my two children. And that's how we celebrated my birthday. And um, I had my characters, or my characters, oh my goodness, what a weird thing to say. I had my children create their characters. They're kind of like my characters. <laughs> you did help create them. Yeah, this is getting way weird. Uh, <laughs> Just to meta. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness gracious. I had my um, children create their characters in one of the online uh, 3D printable miniature generators where you pick what weapons they have, what hairstyle, what armor. And so I they created their characters and I printed them out for the game. And then I printed them out on um, their animal mount. So uh, the uh, my daughter rode a horse and my son rode a giant chicken because that was an option. And of course, he Ooh. wanted to ride the giant chicken. Um, Who wouldn't? <laughs> so it was just really cool to be able to play that game. Uh, uh, and, you know, it's just one of those things that every time I, I go back to play in CNC after playing other games, you know, I ran those uh, fifth edition uh camps over the summer and and that we talked about that a little bit i just am reminded of how effortless it feels it's just so easy to run like it's just maybe the easiest game to run i've ever played your birthday celebration sounds like my birthday celebrations i usually will get mike to run a game for me on my birthday (laughs) that's cool but we don't have kids so the cats you know create their characters Mm -hmm. Do you make them uh, play in character really heavily? Like, do they wear wizard hats and and no, act out their spells? No, but they do roll things? their own dice, so you know that's good. That, that's fair. They play. They roll our dice also. Oh yeah, <laughs> they play castles and crusades. Yeah. Oh uh, uh, uh. uh, yeah. So we're officially looking for a new host. <laughs> Please send your applications in. Carlos had to leave the podcast due to an unfortunate accident he was about to have. Oh, man. I deserve it. It's fine. (laughs) It was a great way to spend a birthday, though. It sounds like a lot of fun. It was. I'm really missing in-game playing. Um, Throughout the pandemic, I really haven't been playing much RPG at all. I was playing online for a little while. Uh, That kind of dropped off now. And I've just been playing... Uh, the Frostgrave miniatures game uh, with a buddy once a week. That's really it. Other than still 3D printing, uh, my carbon footprint is terrible at this point. (laughs) It's it's bad. But I have a lot of cool terrain pieces and a ton of dungeon tiles. 
So once we actually do start playing in person again, um, it's going to be will be ready. A ton of fun. Yeah. Ah, what have Mike and I been doing in gaming lately? <laughs> same old, same old for the most part. Uh, mm. Our group still manages to get together every so often to game online. Um, I do think over the past couple of months, it's been more difficult than usual between Christmas, New Year's, etc. Is like end of semester, beginning of semester. It's just so it's been hard. Uh, we're maybe going to get together this coming Saturday, as of the time of this recording. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, not much else. Uh... I can't remember if I mentioned it on the last show, but uh, I wrote an article for Scientific Barbarian for that Liz drew the art for, which was kind of cool. Um, I have my copy of that. I do admit that I have not actually read it yet, but yeah, it's on it's, my reading list, and I joined the Kickstarter for the second one, which should be coming out pretty soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just... Um, finished filling out the backer kit survey to verify our email address just a few days ago for number two. So yeah, it should be coming out pretty soon. Oh, that, that reminds me with the backer kit changing. I have to change my address cause I'm moving currently. And I knew that my game collection had grown in the last eight years that I've lived in this house, but I did not realize that it had grown so much. And it as a fat man, it sucks <laughs> Back, backing <laughs> all that up. And like, I'm getting pissed at myself because it's like, you kickstarted this thing, not Scientific Barbarian, but you know, X, Y, and Z, you kickstarted these things just to collect them. You knew damn well that you weren't actually going to play them. And now you have to carry them through wow. the snow into Boxes your new house. Boxes of books are so heavy. Yeah, it sucks. The games are about as bad, you know, even if it's just box games, it's still pretty bad. So, of course, I'm saying I'm going to thin my collection, sell some stuff, but <laughs> it's not going to happen, I'm sure. Once I get it into the new space, it'll be like, you know, it can just sit here for 20 years and we'll worry. That's future Jesse's problem. Yeah. Hmm. I moved into a bigger house to have room for this stuff. Why would I want to sell it? Yeah. And it's the, I need to trim this, but I want to keep that and that and that and that. But I need to trim this. But I want to keep that and that and that. And that or, well, sure, yeah. I'm going to play this, even though I've flipped through it once in the last 10 years. But I will get <laughs> to it eventually, I promise. Yeah. But the moment you get rid of it, that'll be when you have an opportunity to play it. That's been my it's experience like, ah. anyway. <laughs> it's true. And seeing the pile of shame for miniatures that I have that are not painted, that was also pretty painful. Yeah. Yeah, I just keep mine locked away now. I don't even want to. <laughs> it's like, oh no, all these minis that are not painted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as the designated <sighs> mini painter in the marriage, I'm probably not going to get to them for quite some time. <laughs> well, you know, I only let myself buy those Blake 7 minis when I already had someone lined up to pay to paint them. Yeah. Because <laughs> I knew if I didn't, they were just going to sit in the boxes and never get painted. Yeah. Or at best, I would prime them and then they would sit primed for years. <laughs> <laughs> 
But they're started if they're primed, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That's some effort that's gone into it. Step <laughs> one is complete. It's I great. Can prime them. <laughs> <laughs> Dip it in white. There you go. It's primed. <laughs> I, I I could prime all our miniatures, Liz. <laughs> but those were already painted, Mike. Yeah, well, they're primed again. <laughs> so yeah, not much gaming other than the Zoom stuff you know holidays i get my booster shot this week so who knows maybe maybe we'll be slowly moving into the era of face-to-face gaming again in the not too distant future yeah second covid shot for mike i don't have any shots yet i will probably I'm not going to get be able to get any until it opens up to the general public, but I'm glad that Mike's going to be, you know. I just hope you'll get them before the North Texas. That's really all I'm I'll, I'll be happy if I can even just get one of the two shots before yeah. North Texas Con. It's like, yes! <laughs> or that Johnson & Johnson single shot one, you know. Since I know how much you love needles. <laughs> yeah. Vaccination needles are pretty tiny for the most part. As long as I don't look and see it happening, I- I'm well, usually okay. The single shot has to be a double wide. I mean, that's how it works, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's really two I needles on the side. <laughs> double barrel yeah, uh, vaccine. Like, like, did you get a snake bite or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, I was bitten by a vampire. <laughs> a very tiny vampire. <laughs> Little vampire fairy. Yeah. Which I'm surprised is not in this book because darn near every <laughs> other monster and race to play is. Yeah, we're barely going to scratch the surface on this. Um, it's over 300 pages long and it's, it's, it's just full of stuff. <laughs> That's really it, the best way to describe it. It is bigger than any uh, CNC core book. (laughs) And it's just optional rules. Uh, We should talk a little bit about like what it is and where to find it. Um, So I I went to the Trollord site looking for, and it's it's kind of a little bit uh, buried. It's a little bit hard to find on the Trollord site because when you're on the main screen and you click the drop down, it doesn't exist under free downloads. Um, but uh, you can find it on the uh, Knights of the Crusade page that they have. Um, and under the Knights of the Crusade page, uh, that's, um, and I, I believe that's still going on. That's their kind of, uh, I, I don't know if organized play is the right word for it, but but essentially they're organized play um, uh, club. And uh, it's a PDF, but the easiest way to find it is literally just to search crusaders companion and if you if you do that you'll find a link to the pdf in your search and we'll put a link in the show notes too so everybody can get it from there yeah but then you don't have the fun of trying to search for it well yeah i was i was thinking maybe there was an easy way when i went to troll lord to just get right to it but it, it was you have to get to a certain part of troll lord and then find the knight's uh, 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 Knights of the Crusade link, and then you can find it. But um, it it's is an internet scavenger hunt. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, per Liz, 
the link will no longer be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Your first quest. <laughs> <laughs> if you choose to accept it. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so it's basically just a thousand optional rules. That's my take on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a combination of stuff that appeared in Crusader magazine. At least some stuff. Uh, well, I, I know all of your stuff that's in yeah, there. It was, either Crusa- to... it was Crusader magazine at one time or another. Yeah. I seem to recall he asked if it was okay if he used my stuff in it. And I think I agreed to it. But it was so long ago, I could just be making that up. But, but yeah, a lot of the old uh, Colin says documents are part of it as well. That's some stuff that was put out like in the first year that the player's handbook was put out. Yeah, I didn't even remember the Colin says articles yeah. until you mentioned them to me earlier when we were talking about this. Well, I remember it because at that time I was uh, moderator of the. CNC section over at Dragon's Foot, and we got those put up on the the download page there at the time. I don't know if they still are, but they were. But anyway, he he went to a lot of different sources, both fan and published, to get all this together. And the author's name is Peter Peter J. Schroeder. Schroeder. Okay. Um. A lot of people are giving credits to things in there, um, but a lot of people are not giving credit. So I'm just going to assume if it doesn't have a credit line, it's Peter Schroeder's work. Uh, Peter, if you're listening and we're wrong, feel free to correct us. Maybe we'll get him on the show if we can find him. Yeah, yeah. He might want to rebut us. (laughs) (laughs) So as we said, there's so much material here to go through. We can't cover it in one episode. So there may be a few more episodes on it. Um, This one is just going to be a few things that we liked about it, stuff that stuck out to us. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. Yeah, we're going to just pick a couple of things to talk about each. Uh, We may not even get to all of those. And uh, if if, uh, our listeners want us to come back to this uh, and talk about some more options and optional rules within the Crusaders Companion, uh, please let us know. but yeah, it is dense and it is just, I mean, one thing to say about it is it's just really cool for a company to have something like this available that is just a, a dense collection of optional rules. Nothing's official, but the whole idea behind Castles and Crusades, as far as I'm concerned, and I know as far as the trolls are concerned, is to make the game your own. And something like this really allows you to do that uh Easily, I guess not. It allows you to make your game uh, a, co- a combination of other people's stuff. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Make your game your own by by mixing and matching and combining all the ideas that are out there. There's nothing new under the sun, but you can take these and and make your own Frankenstein of CNC. Well, what I like, one thing I really like about it is, even though it is a a fan endeavor, it's laid out well, and it's not just rule after rule after it's not like a list of optional rules mm-hmm. um it the book is split up into sections and in the beginning of most sections um it gives you not only rules but also ways to make your game more flavorful um little details to add to your game and advice like that instead of just being a dense you know here's 50 different kind of elves go have fun um, mm-hmm. i really like that 
yeah, um, it does that, especially with the classes, too. I mean, there's just, and there's like two or three different types of, say, Crusader or, you know, um, variants on the fighter or the rogue or whatever. There's even a mage to be different from the wizard and et cetera, et cetera. But so are we going to just each talk about something we liked and, you know, two things we liked? Or are we going to round robin it? How are we going to do this? Uh, I, I think round robin makes sense. Uh, and, and I think like maybe the wrong uh, word. There's there's stuff talking here that uh, is of interest that isn't necessarily something we would use in our games, but is still an interesting facet of this document. Yeah, and since a lot of my stuff is in here, I did not take the easy road by simply going, I like all my stuff, next. (laughs) So I looked at other people's stuff. Um, There's a lot of stuff. I mean, God, there's three different types of drow, much Mm -hmm. less any of the other, just about any humanoid or even semi-humanoid race you can think of. It's got rules in here to run as a CNC PC race. Um. Although some of them just kind of scratching my head, like deep halflings, you know, <laughs> that struck me as weird. But but then I've never liked deep gnomes or deep or Duragar or anything like that. So you know, well, in a way, Gollum was just a deep halfling. It kind of kind of makes sense. <laughs> but he wasn't a race. <laughs> oh God! Can you imagine a whole race of golems? That's exactly how I would play them. <laughs> He was his own thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Like Peter S. Pumpkins. Yep. But I hope well, deep halflings have split personalities like that. Like when you roll up the character, you should have to roll up like your good side and then also your crazy, scary side too. We're being, we're being too judgmental. These may just be halflings that just really get it. <laughs> <laughs> They're deep. That's deep, Ogre. <laughs> what if C-A-T spelled dog (laughs) that's deep ogre anyway they've they've been at the halflings leaf too long (laughs) (laughs) too much is never enough (laughs) anyway um well speaking of insanities and a fan of call of cthulhu myself i've got to give a definite honorable mention to the sanity mechanic they have in there yeah, I noticed that myself. I was I was thinking of talking about that too, but I'm glad you're bringing it up. Basically, it's a, it's a CNC equivalent of the idea of sanity as portrayed in that game with sanity points going insane. You know, it, it increases the effect and it's something that's always kind of bugged me a little bit of, you know, your first level character straight off the farm, has got a sword, goes into a hole in the ground and two skeletons emerge from a tomb and charge him. What does he do? Get him! Mm-hmm. Shouldn't he be like peeing his codpiece or something and <laughs> <laughs> screaming like a little girl or something? I mean, these are undead monsters coming at him. Well, let me let me uh, expand on that when we get to my favorite class in the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, okay, that's mine. Yeah, and one of the things I especially liked about how they're treating it for um, C&C is that unlike Call of Cthulhu, you actually have things that you can do in C&C to get your sanity back. Um, well, so you can a little in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, well, it's 
it's easier it's easier here (laughs) you know you're you're not going to automatically take as a given that eventually i'm going to go completely insane and you know do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars it's okay you'll probably be dead before then but oh sure sure sure, but But yeah, you can get your sanity back with these rules. Um, Certain, you know, clerical spells and rituals, you know, healing of the mind. So it's not as inevitable as it is if you are playing Call of Duty. Well, and and it fits more the genre. Even people that played with certain Lovecraftian elements like Howard with the Conan Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, again, Mm -hmm. it wasn't quite as brain blasting and scarring in there mm-hmm. as it was in Lovecraft's actual work. So that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I dig this because it's one of those things that, that I, I keep uh, saying this, but I, I, I really lean into the more realistic your realism, the more fantastic your fantasy will feel. And you're right. Like if, if you're a farm boy that decides to go on adventuring and, and you see a big giant undead bear maybe that should affect you (laughs) in some degree. Maybe that should have some sort of uh, repercussion, but even like contacting other planes, communing with uh, uh, divinity or, or infernal type creatures, these can all affect you. And that's just really neat. It really is an in-depth take on it. I really appreciate that as someone who, I mean, I've played one game of Call of Cthulhu and, and I didn't, uh, play that long or do that well. <laughs> so, it's most games of Call of Cthulhu for most people. <laughs> Don't feel bad. No one does well. <laughs> the game well, encourages you to have a second character ready to go because who will then experience the mister or investigate the ex- the disappearance and or death of the first character. So it it's harsh. Yes. But anyway, this isn't a Call of Cthulhu podcast, so. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it? Or is it? (laughs) (laughs) Now you have to make a sanity check, listener. Uh, (laughs) I I suspect they've been doing that for some time. (laughs) Every single episode of The Crusader. Make a sanity check. Yeah, Yeah, we're at 21 now, so, you know, they're they're tough. They can handle it. Well, I think... I think something in this book that might make you have to make a sanity check is the Gobbit. Uh, the Gobbit by Mike Stewart. The <laughs> Gobbit that you that's may think... Of, I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> you may think that's just a way to avoid Tolkien trademarks. <laughs> it sounds like... <laughs> it sounds like a <laughs> but it's not a little, worst, not a little happening at all. Worst demi-human race to play ever. <laughs> I really thought it was going to be like some cannibal hobbit or something. Uh, oh, if only. <laughs> it was that shiny and happy. It's, it's so much worse even than that. Uh, <laughs> it's as terrifying as cannibal uh, hobbits would be. The Gobbit. I'm going to read this as written. <laughs> By Mike Stewart. <laughs> the Gobbit is a foul creation of the necromantic arts merged with the natural powers of druidic magic. And uh, uh, to, to make a long story short, essentially, there is a way to pull all of the flesh off of a skeleton so you can have an undead creature. And when that flesh was piled up, 
it gained sentience through dark magic and started looking around for more flesh to eat. That's the gobbit. It's an oozing blob of flesh uh, <laughs> that is trying to eat alive flesh. Uh, I was not aware of that. <laughs> oh, man. That is disturbing. I did mention I like Call of Cthulhu, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to be clear. I love this. <laughs> this is exactly my jam. Oh, man. Just the weird, unnatural, just <laughs> yuck. I mean, it's so gross on every level. Uh, and Thank the you. fact that I don't know why this is the grossest part to me, but the fact that so teeth are part of the skeletal system, so it doesn't have teeth, but it does have like toenails and fingernails and cartilage and stuff. <laughs> So that's how it makes its teeth, <laughs> which is the most disturbing part of this already terrible, <laughs> terrible thing. <laughs> what the hell, Mike? When you said this is exactly my jam, I thought of this old Powerpuff Girls episode. My jam's going to win because it's made of meat. <laughs> my jam's going to win the jam contest. And it so is. That's got to be. Can you imagine your players' faces when you describe that coming after them? Oh, I play tested uh, that with. So that was actually that was going to be my follow up question: is is how did your play testers react to that? Kill it with fire. <laughs> now, pretty much, pretty much. I cannot, and I googled. I tried to figure it out. I cannot remember what movie it's from. I feel like there's an old zombie movie with something very similar to this. Like the zombies keep moving, even if they're a pile of goo. I can't recall what it was though. I wondered if that was something you pulled from somewhere or if it's just that you, you have a, uh, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I was needing to a couple of more monsters, original monsters in the module YouTube verdant rage. And I was just thinking, and I had just gotten finished with the uh, zombies that were infested with rock grubs, mm -hmm. which got me thinking about skeletons. And it's like, well, if he's got skeletons there, obviously he didn't wait till the flesh decayed and fell off. He had to be something in the spell that made him skeletons. Well, he's going to have to remove all that flesh and stuff. Well, what happened to that? And that got me thinking down that the gobbit gobbits of flesh so you're welcome you really go for some pork rinds right now <laughs> mm. or little smokies <laughs> little smoky sausage mm. just not a pate <laughs> <laughs> little deviled ham <laughs> oh man oh you're welcome awesome <laughs> Well, I could stand to skip a few dinners, so maybe tonight <laughs> will be one of those nights. Again, you're welcome. <laughs> so, Jesse, save us before we kill again. <laughs> well, my favorite class in here is the Peasant Hero. And I think it is so iconic to a lot of fantasy literature and movies and things like that of, you know, a farm boy coming up and becoming a hero. Um, it talks about how peasants have to be tough to survive. And he's got some pretty interesting class abilities. Um, I also like that he starts with a peasant weapon. So like a carpenter's axe, a dagger, a scythe, short spear, short sword, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, 
but he can inspire commoners at second level. Um, he can like basically rally part him. Yeah. He can rally four D 10 able-bodied first level commoners who are going to follow him into battle. Um, or that would endanger the entire village. Um, come see the violence inherent in the system. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, I think it's cool that, so he's got this harmless bluff. And it says a peasant hero soon soon learns that mighty warriors and warlords are all too ready to underestimate his abilities. So he makes this bluff. People don't believe it. Um, and it gives him a bonus, which I think is really cool. Hmm. It Basically, he catches them flat-footed. Um, he can improvise a weapon, which I think is also a cool ability because how many times in our games have improvised weapons happen right it happens all the time and i think it's just something that's hand waved which really isn't that realistic um but he can improvise weapons um and he's got a d8 hit die and he can use all simple weapons downside to him though is he has no armor proficiencies because i am a softy i'd probably let him use you know maybe padded armor or leather armor or something but a shield at least Definitely a shield. I yeah, mean, uh, you get a big enough shield, you don't need to be that skilled with it. <laughs> it'll it'll protect you. That's true. Um, but no, he just kind of stood out to me. I, I think that he's pretty iconic, and and in real life too. You know, I mean, uh, there are just people that are born brave like that. So I really liked it, and I like his picture in here too. <laughs> Liz, what did uh, uh, you want to bring to the to the discussion of of Crusader's companion? Who, me? You. Nah. you. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, one of the things I wanted, I really liked, um, in, you know, apart from the insanity stuff that, you know, Mike brought up earlier, uh, there's in that same section, and the overall section is for game mastering. And um, so but there's something else, the random adventure generator. Now, we've all seen plenty of these. Um but what I did like about this particular one is, you know, they talk about how you you can use the screenwriting format to, you know, create your overall adventure idea um, and says, you know, the, the dramatic core taken from screenwriting, all plots can be boiled down into the following sentence. The main characters must do something but have to contend with complication while being confronted by opposition. So the generator basically gives you, you know, you randomly, you can either randomly roll it up or you can just choose from the various lists um, the something to do, the complications, and the opposition. And you can combine them in whatever ways you want, and maybe in some ways that you would not have necessarily thought of, you know, on your own before. So I think that was a pretty cool thing to have in the book, and I could certainly see myself using it if I needed to get something. Oh, crap, I need a I need an idea on the fly, and, you know, just go over there and boom, boom, boom. Sounds like it'd be good for solo play, too, which... Um... On YouTube and stuff. That seems to be growing. I don't know if that is... I mean, I'm sure people have always done it, but I I see more about solo play now than I have before. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think if you're one of those players, that would be a good tool for you. 
Yeah, and if you're going to do randomly, you just need two eight-sided dice, and you roll both of them, and it's, you know, like one of them, one of the numbers is moving across on the table, the other number is moving down. So, say, the something, um, you or the location, or whatever, you know, you rolled two dice, you had a six and a four, it'd be a fortress ruins. It's like, okay, there's my location. And, you know, it works that way. It's really pretty easy. It's a really cool way to present a chart. They do this with uh, percentile charts as well, where they um, have it basically just column in rows by number. And it saves a lot of space. If this was a like a percentile, a traditional percentile chart where each uh, thing was listed out, this would take up a lot more room. Uh, it's oh, really, yeah. it's really cool. Uh, so we have to, uh, uh, we have to take. I'm doing it right now. A <laughs> demon. We have to take a demon to Ooh. a vault. But the complication is there are none. <laughs> There's no complication. Oh, 11, 11 that was 11. easy. <laughs> that was easy. But the opposition <laughs> uh, is uh, an enemy. <laughs> an enemy of the demon is opposing us. That's not good. Oh. <laughs> well, there's certainly a lot of demons given in this work, too. I mean, they go through the type one through sixes and give like variants, two or three variants for each type. Vrock 1, Vrock 2, and Vrock 3. <laughs> I want a Vrock. Vrock! Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, yeah, you're not. Of course you're That'll not. That'll be our, our debut uh, single on our upcoming Crusaders <laughs> album. <laughs> Wait for that. It's called uh, Vrock and Roll. <laughs> <laughs> With one of the and and the cover is going to be a metal Skeksis from uh, Dark Crystal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be roll R O L E, not R O L L. Rock and roll, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So if there's any agents out there looking for a new band, <laughs> here we are. Call us. <laughs> I was flipping through the classes. A lot of the classes are interesting. Some are you know, expected, like Jester, you know, we've seen, not saying it's a bad class, it's just we've seen them before, or that sort of thing. Then I came across a class that I have not seen its like since early Dragon Magazine. The Hori. And for those who don't know, that's the, the, the Middle Eastern kind of belly dancing sacred pre, uh, temple handmaiden. It's where the word whore comes from, but it wasn't exactly what they were. It was more of a religious rite than simple, you know, a lot of stuff. Anyway, looking at this, I, I'm a big believer in genre, especially like pulp genre for fantasy. So this certainly falls into it. But I got to admit, as a DM, I'm or a castle keeper, I should say, I, I wouldn't be comfortable with someone running this class. I mean, I, I, I guess if, you know, it's that's the beauty of castles and crusades. You fly it however you want, but 
this class just seems very <clears throat> don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> don't like well, it. Well, no, I mean, no, it's... no offense, weirdos out there. But <laughs> look at all the weirdos that you run into at conventions. If you slam down that character as a pre-gen character, imagine the um, imagine the session that you would get out of that. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think a lot of people would be like, "Ah, this will be funny. I will make this a big joke, and it won't be uncomfortable at all." Uh, but uh, yeah, their abilities are massages, dances, and kisses. <laughs> That's not a game I want to play with my friends. Like, who who and, does this class appeal to? Yeah, and dances. Some of the dances can inspire or control or one the dance of damnation that basically when she's done and points at somebody everybody has to make a save and if they fail their save they all attack the person she's pointing to i mean that but is of course, cool i gotta say that is kind of cool yeah. I, I agree that last one is neat if you oh, man. That into something i'm turning, else, I'm turning around on this <laughs> now, I, however after she does a dance like for a turn she's pretty much helpless she can't do anything um, yeah, but that's pretty powerful. That could almost make a bard cool. If that was like a bard ability. Well, and some of them certainly could be used for bard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you've got a open-minded group, you know, again, maybe this could work all right. But it just seems, I don't know, it just mm -hmm. seems very stereotypical. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, well, first I thought of the old Dragon Magazine class from way back in the day. But yeah, um, I, it's like, this is, wow, super duper stereotypical. And again, I'm glad you're the one who brought it up because I was not going to bring it up because my bringing it up is also stereotypical. <laughs> oh, the girl in the podcast is the one bitching about the sexism inherent in this class. It's like, okay, whatever. You're um, taking it too seriously. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's, this is the sort of class that you would definitely want to have a good read on everyone around your table to make sure that everyone's cool with it. You know, mm -hmm. especially if you do have, you know, women at your gaming table you know, are they also cool with this class? Yeah. You know, if everybody's comfortable, you know, sure, that's no problem. But this is one of those classes that it could be uncomfortable very, very easily. And, well, she can't even wear cumbersome clothing, much less armor. And it just strikes me, this class might work in a city campaign. But if you're going into the wilderness or down a hole in the ground to to kill stuff and check their colons for gems, um, <laughs> I don't think this would really work. And of course, there's always the argument of players should have the right to choose any class they want, you know, and if it puts them at a disadvantage, oh well. And there's certainly truth to that, but I, I just wish... I don't know. I, I feel very uncomfortable about this class. Your mileage may vary. If it works for you guys, then great. But it, it just yeah. doesn't work for me. I think it's definitely definitely weird. I wonder if maybe it was designed more as an NPC type deal. If you were playing like a a more court type game 
or if you were playing a more urban thing. Yeah. Um, maybe well, that's the intention. I'm not sure. Yeah. If it was based on, if this was based, you know, heavily off of the old Dragon Magazine article, most of those classes that they had in the magazine, they tried to say, these are meant to be NPC classes. Um, it almost never worked out that way. People wanted to play them, mm-hmm. you know, say, well, it was in Dragon, so it's real. You can, I can do this. But, um, but yeah, um, I believe the, the Uri, as it appeared in Dragon back in the day, was billed as an NPC class. And this might be based heavily off of that. And to be fair, it was more questionable than even this one was. You know, so yeah. I, I, I will give this one some kudos. Um, it doesn't have the natural ability to poison. As all women have. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I poison people every day. What's wild is I feel like there's there's something here that could be cool. But like, then it's also got like, if it was just the dances and then you took out some of the dances, like, obviously, like we talked about dance of the damned and we were like, oh, that's so cool. But that's like one of the least offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Some of those other dances are, yeah. (laughs) Dance of fascination and dance of passion around it are just like, I'm not sure about that. But like, um, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely something that she wants to. (laughs) but like yeah the fact that some of her abilities are kisses and then she has like magic massages it's just in a realm of like total you would have to be super comfortable (laughs) with the people that your gaming table and and uh then i have special oils to give me a plus two on the massages (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, a level of comfort I'm not at uh, with most people. <laughs> Grease spell? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and even as an NPC class, all I can think of is that uh, Fear of Girls video where the DM is say- yeah, have playing at the girl. <laughs> Crack the barbarian! You will go no further! Like, yeah, no, no, just no, no. <laughs> I would avoid anything that enthralls people. Like that's just not a fun experience to be like, well now because you failed a die roll, you don't get to play essentially. <laughs> and your character well, yeah. is now a DM NPC. Uh, that that's, that's rough when that happens. I mean, obviously uh, it can happen with charm person. It can happen with lots. I mean, not really with charm person, not the same, but this is like, you become well, the a doppelgangers or, you know, stuff. Yeah, like that's that true. But that then your character's dead though. You're not actually like <laughs> You're playing the double okay. yeah. It's okay to be dead. It's not okay to be like now you have no control over your actions. Yeah. So okay, Carl. I, I've I've <laughs> razzed on this enough, I guess. Yeah, I want to talk about so I realized during this conversation that there are two versions of this. There's a, a version that's 311 uh, page PDF on trollord.com, and there's one on castlesandcrusades.com. That's the one I got to through the Knights of the Crusades. That's 379 pages. So oh, I don't, crap. I guess it got um, added to. 
Um, you can find both <laughs> through a Google search. But one thing that's changed on the 379 page is the game mastering section is changed to the castle keepering section, which is ah. a phonetically crunchy thing to say. <laughs> I really enjoy saying castle keepering. Um, but in keepering. The, keepering. <laughs> yeah. In the castle keepering section, uh, and I think this is in the game mastering <laughs> section on the uh, on the other PDF as well, um, there's a uh, there's a section on creating fantastic names. And it also has one of those column and row uh, dice charts to generate names through um, uh, through consonants. And it has some advice on names. And a lot of it was really interesting to me because it basically said, unlike a book, your names really are only going to be communicated. So they got to be easy to communicate. Uh, you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't really help your game if your names are hard to pronounce. <laughs> so really, you want to lean in like easily pronounced names. You don't want to name people Zyla Flagadar or whatever. <laughs> you can get away with that in a novel because they're just going to read it and that's what it's going to be. But once your name's not communicable, uh, people aren't going to say the name. They're going to say Zuba Zuba Zuba. You know, they're going to say whatever. <laughs> they're going to shorten it or make it a joke or whatever. Uh, and it just had some nice advice on that. You know, the the curse of the apostrophe is a section of this uh, part of the uh, uh, Crusader's Companion where, like, yeah, an actual name from an actual book is Trixzerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerxerx
Oh. And I thank God for that every day. <laughs> Indeed. So I think our album is going to have uh, multiple genres on it. Oh yeah. Carl's going to have a uh, a rapping track. Yeah. Now we need country and western. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, anyway, yeah, it just goes over, you know, obviously pull names. It's it's stuff a lot of people have heard before, but I think it's it's presented in in a neat way. And just for the breadth of names it provides you, uh I mean hundreds upon hundreds. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to, to peruse and maybe put some in your back pocket for when you're trying to think of a quick name for that NBC, the players decided to talk to for whatever reason. And so you can, you can have those. In the other section, it, it gives names too, uh, based on nationality, which I think is, is really helpful when you're creating a town or, or a place to have the name sound similar. I feel like it, it definitely gives it its own character and makes it more believable. So I think, I mean, thanks for stealing. I want to talk about names. Well, you know what? I am talking about names. I'm talking about names right now. <laughs> so There's the names are, are about names for everybody in this book. Yeah, the names are great here. Is it my turn again? No, it's my turn. Okay, <laughs> good. I good. wanted to talk about names, but, but I guess Carl. I'm going to fall back on a spell. That dang Carl. Well, he's gangsta, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like that some of the spells in here are similar to spells that you'd be used to, but they're reskinned a little bit. There's a level one um, cleric and necromancer spell called, I'm sorry, it's a level two spell, called Ancient Spirit. Um, the components that you need to cast this is a skull. I just f***ed that up. I don't know how to talk, guys. I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm reading the wrong one. Carl threw me off. Carl's Carl! Dang it. Con! How did I just... Oh, man. Hey, Liz, it's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) The part of Jesse will be played by Liz. He's invoking then, the power of lead hosts, so it's yeah, your turn now. And, and then the part of Liz will be played by Jesse. So, um, okay. Uh, my other thing that I'm going to talk about is cantrips, but not all the cantrips, just the ones that Mike created that are in this book. And I want to make sure everybody knows um, when he did the cantrips article for the Crusader. Um, it was basically the result of me asking him to make CNC versions of the unearthed Arcana cantrips that I was used to using when we played AD&D. Because whenever I would play a spellcaster, I really, really enjoyed the cantrips and would always want to use them. Now, so, well, CNC the, did have cantrips. But. Yeah, but they tended to be you know, battle-type cantrips, which yeah. are also cool. But I wanted the fun, rather lighthearted sort of cantrips that Unearthed Arcana had. And I had gotten rather clever at using some of those cantrips in a, in a martial sort of way. Um <laughs> Um, the best one that I can think of is back when I used the B cantrip 
and had the bee fly into the mouth of the opposing spellcaster. And she was reading from a scroll. And she, it made her totally screw up the spell because she failed her save against it. And so she had to cough up a bee. <laughs> and a swollen tongue because it got stung. And, you know. Yeah. But anyway, so Mike created CNC versions of those cantrips because I insisted and made his life miserable until he did it. And he was a very nice husband and did that for me. So you can find the, the CNC versions of those um, I anatomics. I love my work. Yes. <laughs> anatomics, bug. Um, yeah. I didn't want, I mean, as much as I like the AD&D 1E cantrips, I thought they were just a little too granular. I mean, you know, poke, tweak were different cantrips. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, why don't I just make anatomics? And that's pretty much anything you want, you know, poke, tweak, you know, sneeze, anything to mess with someone's body in a yeah. very minor way. And bugs encompasses, you can summon a bee if there's a bee in the area or, you know, any kind of Flea. bug. Yeah. Um, so... On the one hand, it's the same, but it's also different enough that, in a way, it's more versatile because of that. You know, if you have the anatomics cantrip, you basically have the ability to do, you know, five or six of the unearthed arcana cantrips, um, whichever one you want. So, and my personal favorite, transmogrify. Because of Calvin and Hobbes. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, it's very minor, you know, changing of things, not in any combat way or anything, but just like little things. Um, again, these are the things that you read about most in fiction or whatever, what, that magicians or magic users or wizards or whatever can do that make them all wizardy. So, you know. The, the best and, thing about them is that the reversal, the reverse spell, this is making me laugh, it's so funny. The reverse spell of the bug's cantrip is the shoe. (laughs) Shoo, 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 shoo. And it just drives bugs away the same way it would summon bugs. That's that's so funny to me. (laughs) Well, I also like, I got that from basic expert D&D, is I love the idea of reversals. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just... Why have the opposites as a whole spell? Just a reversal. There you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've let people say use the sleep spell reversed to wake people up from a sleep spell. Mm-hmm. You know, automatically. And, yeah. You know, stuff like that. Why not? You know, it just seemed to make sense to me. So that's my second thing. Shout out to Mike for his cantrips because he did them for me. And I still appreciate it. <laughs> so interestingly enough, those particular cantrips are not in the 379 page version of the Crusaders Companion. They are in the 311 page version. So there's more. It's not just expanded. There's some differences here huh. uh, of these two Crusaders Companions. That's wild. But they both exist hmm. on the internets. Uh, uh, weird. Neat. Okay. Is that other, the whole set. Is that other class we dogged for like 15 minutes in the new version? 
I'm not even sure which one's newer. I assume the 379 is newer just because uh, it's more pages. So, like, I, I assumed it would, but I guess you could truncate and. I, or it I could do... have been somebody who gave their permission to publish stuff, but then later retracted it for whatever reason. But if some of, but if your cantrips are missing from the other one, you know, is the gobbit? Well, I guess it had to have been in there because that's what you used to do yeah. yours, right, girl? The gobbit is so, in both. <laughs> so my Don't stuff worry. is there, just not. Huh. I don't suppose <laughs> either one of those has like a revised edition or a copyright date or anything in it. Not that I could so you... find. You oh, can good. tell yeah. which is which. Yeah, the 311 page one does not have any kind of um, copyright year data on there. Huh. At least not in the front. Let's see. Does it have the standard OGL text at the end? I, I did see the OGL stuff, but I didn't see. I mean, I didn't dig too deep. Uh, but yes, the, uh, the, the unsettling classes in both. Or, you know, whatever. I'm not here to kink shame anybody. Whatever you're into. <laughs> the yeah, un, uh, I mean, the, the opinion un on the Hori is just mine. You know, <laughs> your opinion well, yeah. will vary. We'll call it the unsuitable for conventions class. That I feel like everybody should be able to agree on. Uh, please don't Besides, bring I don't like gnomes e either. So, you know, there you go. It's, yeah. it's a matter of opinion. And a gnome, gnome horry straight out. Nah. <laughs> now I need to make a sanity check. <laughs> See, now those sanity rules come into play. This is this yeah. works. One thing I really like about it is, um, as it gives a, a ton of other options, it also gives a ton of new spells. Um, some of them are similar to spells that you'd be used to, and they're kind of a little bit reskinned. Kind of feel like the spell ancient wisdom is a lot like speak with the dead, but it's different. Um, it's only a level one cleric or necromancer spell, but it focuses around a skull. So you have to have the skull of the spirit that you are trying to commune with. <laughs> Alas, poor Yorick. Cool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for the duration of the spell, the skull becomes home again for the spirit that once inhabited it. It doesn't gain any mobility or attacks, doesn't feel physical sensations, but it can see and talk to you. It's not under any compulsion to answer any of the questions that you ask it or divulge any information. Um, so it's still, it's, it still has its own personality. Choose your um, skull wisely. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I think it would be really cool if someone had this spell and how many dead adventures do people stumble upon in dungeons and stuff like that. Your skull True. could literally uh, warn them about the poison dart trap that's in the next room or something. Or maybe they and, won't. And maybe <laughs> they won't. It's like, <laughs> it comes down to their personality. It's like, I, I never made it into that room. <laughs> no, no, walk in with your eyes closed. No, it'll be fine. Do it's it. the only way to avoid the dark magic. <laughs> Close your eyes. <laughs> and walk backwards see, into the no room. Evil. See no evil. <laughs> I just, I love that you have to have the creature's skull that you want to talk to. Not just it's anybody's. Also, for my mandatory mentioning of uh, Dresden Files, it's also very Bob the Skull. Yeah. <laughs> when I was preparing for the episode, thinking about it though... Something that came into mind is what happens if you come across a body that is not decomposed, but 
after hearing how Mike's mind works with his <laughs> previous creature, I am starting to assume that that might not be such a big problem for people. I thought mm-hmm. it might be, but uh, depends yeah, on the necromancer. How you get the skull clean, I guess, is up to you. <sighs> yes. When does a head stop being a head and become a skull? Oh, there's there's, there's got to be a point. Right? Talk to your castle keeper about that. <laughs> Yep, so that was my second thing. Um, so again, guys, we're barely scratching the surface on this. It's got a lot. Seriously. Um, what is everybody's uh, final impressions of it? Let's go around and talk about that. We'll go in reverse order. So Liz has to start. Ah, no. Well, I would say this is very much like purchasing an anthology. Um, at, of any kind of genre. You know, you, you buy an anthology of short stories, you're never going to think every single story in the compilation is a gem. There's going to be some that you like, there's going to be some that you, you're like, eh, really? How did that get in there? And, you know, because this is much the same thing, you know, you've got a lot of stuff from a lot of different people, you know, some of the stuff is going, you're going to read it and you're going to think, you know, this is right up my alley. Or as Carl says, it's my jam. <laughs> um, and some of it you're going to go, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> like the Gobbit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your jams may vary. <laughs> That's right. One, one man's jam is another man's I don't know, but um, <laughs> so yeah, um, my overall impression, you know, for me, there's some stuff that's good. There's some stuff that I do not ever intend on using in any of my games. So it's like, I have no interest in whatsoever, but it's such a huge, you know, compilation and it's free. You know, if you don't already have it, you should get it. You will find something in here that you will want to incorporate. You know, what you find may not be the same thing I find, but you are, no matter who you are listening, there's going to be something in here that you're going to read it and go, hey, that's pretty cool. I'm going to put that in my next game. Now, my opinion is the same. I think the biggest strength that CNC has is that you can take things out of CNC. And add things to CNC, and you still have CNC. With the Crusader's Companion, like Liz said, there's stuff in there that you're going to love and stuff that you're probably not going to like. But you aren't beholden to use the stuff that you don't like. You just pick out the gems and disregard the things that you don't like. So there's definitely spells in here and, and other things that I would I would use in my game. Maybe even some classes. It's It's so robust that it's hard to even uh, lump it all together. It's really not even uh something like the best of dragon which you know had a editing and review process and and then you pick up the best of dragon and you you get that information it really is just all the things that was on the internet at the time <laughs> that this <laughs> existed for for castles and crusades but the, the 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 you know the cost is nothing the cost is a google search and a treasure hunt and maybe you'll find it i think you'll be okay um but <laughs> You know, it includes stuff like, um, you know, that that I think is really worth uh, touching on that we didn't. It includes stuff like playing Dragonborn and Tieflings. And a lot of people right now 
are probably in a situation where they prefer old school versions of fantasy role playing. And they have a bunch of people that are playing new school versions. And, you know, one of the big uh, brick walls they may run into is I want to play a dragonborn. I want to play a tiefling. I want to play this type of class or this type of character. And I don't like those old school versions because everybody's locked in a box. Well, that's never been the case with CNC. And it's certainly not the case if you have something like this with its I don't know, maybe 25, 30 uh, new <laughs> races and class options. More than that, I think. It, it's a huge amount of options for your CNC game. Uh, uh, adjust as you need, take what you need, and and provide the experience for your players that they want. And, and you can really just do anything with it. This is going to seem contradictory because normally I'm a guy that believes in as few rules as possible and in a game and that's one of the reasons i like cnc because it's very rules light and i still hold to that but options not official rules but optional rules that you can every table can decide to import or not i think is always a good idea they may Mm -hmm. not as stated earlier be your cup of tea but everyone should have that option Yes, even the Huri, you know, it's not going to work for my table, but, you know, I'm sure there are people's tables that will. And there's, and if it works for you, if you and your party, your players are having a good time, then you're having fun, right? And again, you can't beat the price of this thing. Yeah, I, I even think having a rules like game like CNC makes something like this possible. Uh, you know, it, it, when everything's so codified, it really is hard to introduce something like a Minotaur uh, uh, or, or Ogre race option because everything has to be scaled and balanced. And because CNC doesn't really rely on that scaling and balancing, um, uh, it's possible in this where it may not be possible in other versions of fantasy role playing. Yeah, like uh, John Peterson was saying in his book, The Elusive Shift, available on Amazon, <laughs> um, is that. At the beginning, some people argued that original D&D, like a lot of some other games, being so rules light and do it yourself was a negative because, well, you're having to basically design your own game. It's not a game. It's a how to build your own game. And I don't agree with that argument. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, rules light should be enough to get you playing the game. But when it comes to details beyond that, sure, it should be up to you and your players. Why not? Absolutely. That's like saying, I don't like Legos because I have to make my own toy car. I'll just buy a toy car. Yeah. And I could build nothing else because that's what's on the picture is (laughs) is the car. I have to build a car. You're right. Yeah. I should have said Lego bricks. I know we have at least one listener (laughs) that's so angry with me right now that I said Legos. It is a real thing that I I have... been yelled at <laughs> by a random nerd. Well, maybe we'll get some emails in That's about that, it. That is their thing. It's Lego bricks, not Legos. So just to make it clear, I may have saved us multiple emails or not. I don't know. It might, it might be too late. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure Lego bricks or Legos are fine, irregardless. Right, Liz? <laughs> I am so going to kill you. <laughs> That's oh, her pet peeve. Irregardless. <laughs> Irregardless. They're Legos. They are not Lego bricks. I'm not sorry. Ah! 
I don't know if you guys see the numbers of our podcast, but you need to stop alienating 30% of our people in every episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. Controversy sells. Okay, no, that's true, I guess. Publicity. That's true. Yeah, the Lego guy is going to be like, look at these assholes. And then we're going to be... We're going to be Lego famous. It's going to go around forums and Facebook page and discords. Get a photo of Carl holding Lego bricks, but he's doing it in a gangsta style with a hat. <laughs> Sideways turned Lego guns. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should wrap up. I think we should uh... hear what Courtney thinks of a fresh Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should uh, let go. Um, yeah. Especially now, forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, dear listeners, if you made it through all of that, thank you. And <laughs> we'll close it out. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. There are Legos. <laughs> Bricks. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Some games may change, but the castle's Crusade Siege engine remains the same. And yet, I've never gotten any complaints about that. The only complaints I have ever gotten was about the zombie dogs. <laughs> well, people don't mind fighting horrific Cthuloid-type madness creatures. They, but nobody wants to fight a dog. I have said before, <laughs> and I will say again, it was terrible because those dogs clearly starved to death having Oof. been locked in that room and that's when they became undead afterwards and that's why we were all upset so there and you've upset the cat yes <laughs> even she just... is upset because you said dog <laughs> <laughs> no, i said i said word. starve oh that might be it. <laughs> the, the, the scariest word in her language <laughs>